Hello and welcome to the Stress Sessions Mental Health Podcast. You're listening to Series 4, Episode 12, and there isn't really any major updates this week other than I'm now six months alcohol-free. Whoop, whoop. Other than that, it's all been a bit quiet. I've recorded some fantastic podcasts that I can't wait to share with you, but they'll be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So straight into this episode, I've got to warn you that there is a few trigger warnings this one about suicide. So if you do want to turn off now, please feel free to. There is a little bit of chat about suicide. Um, But without further ado, here is the Stress Sessions with me, Luke Clark, and the one and only Chesney Hawks. Welcome to the Stress Sessions podcast, Chesney Hawks. How's it going? Hey, mate. Yeah, good. Good. Good to be here. So thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. No, thank you for coming. And you're back in the UK at the moment, aren't you? From LA. So um, it's good to have you back. Yeah, I'm, I'm on English soil. It's it's definitely different looking out the window right now from what I'm used to. It's uh, <laughs> It's not sunny. What's going on? It's raining. Oh. I went for a run in the rain this morning. <laughs> Felt really good, actually, to be honest. <laughs> I quite liked do you, it. Do you know what? I, I went for a run in the rain. It was, it was, it was drizzly, so it's that horrible kind of rain yesterday. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I'm, I'm a big runner anyway, so I, I, I'll run in whatever weather. But I didn't realise you were a runner. Well, not not really. I, I, I am going through a bit of, I, you know, it's like anyone. I go through phases of working out. And the, uh, my wife is a, a very kind of keen fitness person and uh i've kind of over the last couple of months i've been doing um uh, her aerobics with her <laughs> just just to oh, kind wow. of i thought you know why not join in and just you know, you know. so i've been doing that and uh, you know i do go for a run now and again and uh do a little bit of yoga and stretching and stuff like that but you know i mean you know when we're here to talk about mental health as well and so that is definitely one of the things i think that uh it keeps my brain in in check you know <laughs> it's a it's a form of meditation isn't it running uh and uh it definitely um helps uh you know keep keep me on on an even keel (laughs) you know yeah i I mean that that's exactly the same for me do you so when when you're running do you run without music with music listen to a podcast well fun it's funny you should ask that actually because a lot of the time i will listen to um something like a podcast or or a little bit of music maybe but this morning i was like I didn't do it uh, normally I, I would kind of go through stages of getting up doing a little bit of meditation uh do some breath work or something like that uh and, but I did do that this morning I kind of just got up and tried to get myself together and I felt like I hadn't kind of got my brain in <laughs> you know clicked in for the day so so I thought you know I'm gonna go for a run and I'm not gonna have anything I'm just gonna have my own thoughts oh, okay. you know and I'm glad I did that I'm glad I did that because there's something about that kind of monotony of like uh you know um every step it gets you into uh, a form of meditation you know um so i i think uh, that did the trick for me as well there's many many ways you can you can you know do get into that kind of zone can't you so i think that running is definitely one of them 
Oh, that's that's amazing to hear because I'm like, it's the same for me. But it brings me onto my onto the first proper question, which is, what is the one song that puts you in a really happy, positive mood? <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, there's so many, but I, the one that comes to mind is uh, "Bright Side of the Road" by Van Morrison. Okay. I don't know if you know that song. From yeah, the dark yeah. end of the street to the bright side of the road. Down, down. I don't know. It's something about that song. That is, I mean, you know, it speaks for itself. You're talking about the bright side of the road. So, I mean, that is, you know, you're, you're in the right uh, zone anyway, aren't you? Um, but it's got, it's got a step to it that uh, just picks my mood up. Um, you know, it's funny. I do, I do a podcast myself and, and in the podcast, uh, we have our guests on and they choose, um, they choose a quote that gets the conversation started that they kind of run, you know, live their life to. And I also have them choose a song um that is meaningful to them um either happy or sad actually that has an emotional connection they have emotional connection to whether it's like you know from their past or whatever um and uh because we we do this all with our guests the three of us uh, that co-host the show uh well four of us at the time one of them's not with us uh, on the show anymore um we, we all chose our songs uh, and my one was Bright Side of the Road. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. nice. And, and, and I actually recreate those songs for, for, my get, for our guests in my, in my studio and just kind of either play it, you know, very oh, acoustically, wow. just on guitar or, or piano or whatever. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I think about a lot that, you know, because everybody is different, you know, and some people will choose actually a sad song that kind of, you know, gets them in the right mood. But, uh, uh, yeah, my one's definitely a bit more of a toe tapper. <laughs> I'm such a massive Beatles fan and I would choose like here, there and everywhere or, you know, Martha, my dear, or, or, or um, you know, Maxwell silver hammer or something like that, you know, um, but there's so many songs, print something Prince, you know, uh, probably uh, baby, you're a star, you know, <laughs> I think sometimes it's nice to, um, to actually take yourself into that mode uh, where you feel, you know and and music does that um for me it's a, there's a great quote i can't remember who said it but music is what f- feelings sound like <laughs> you know okay yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know if you listen to any if you watch any any movie um with the sound down or if you've ever heard a cut without music you know where you've got the dialogue uh but you don't have the music you, the emotion is not there you know so you don't have that same it guides you you know, music has an amazing ability to guide you into an emotion, you know. So so sometimes listening to a song that does have, you know, real emotion to it, uh, even if it is sad, you know, something like uh, Elvis Costello's I Want You or something like that, that kind of, you know, it's raw and it's gut-wrenching and it's obviously, uh, you know, somebody that is unrequited love in an, in an unrequited love moment that is just powerful and it can take you there, but it can also make you think about your life and it can make you think about, you know, your past loves and, and people you've lost and all that kind of stuff. And that's okay. It's okay. As long as you can control your emotions, <laughs> you know, cause some people have a hard time, you know, getting out of, of that hole. So, um, you know, perhaps, perhaps it's not a good idea, but for me, you know, I actually quite like to go there, you know, it's like in your life, I, you know, it's, it, it's okay to, it's what therapy's about, 
you know, it's like you talk about that stuff. You talk about the, the crazy shit that's happened to you in your life. And, mm. and you bring out, you, you know, you bring out that pebble and dust it off. I'm banging on my mic there. You know, and you, you dust it off, get all the cobwebs off and look at that kind of, you know, trauma or whatever it is that you went through and just give it a good old look all over it you know <laughs> and, and it's okay it's okay to go and feel that again because then other stuff comes up and you realize that you can maybe move past it you know but keeping it in the cupboard is not a good idea um because it just festers you know and i think it actually those those traumas in our life you know gone by they they stick in in your muscles they stick in your body um you know my wife does a form of of uh uh, exercising uh, trauma out of the body it's a um, thing where you actually literally you, you push out <laughs> it's like pushing out emotions through through from your muscles you know and it can, okay. it can be it can be physically painful actually but mm. it brings that emotion to the forefront and then you can let it out you know it's like John Lennon always used to say that you know primal scream um, just it just gets it out into, into the world rather than stuck inside your body I've never heard of that sort of kind of like therapy before. That sounds really interesting. It's, it, it is great. I, I've done quite a lot of that therapy, actually. There's, um, there's a, th- a form of therapy that uh, I went through called core energetics. And, uh, you know, you talk about, I mean, there's a lot more to it than just this. But the one thing that I think I got a lot out of is, it, is it, you can, you start with just kind of talking through stuff like in normal kind of therapy, you know. Um, and then once you find, you hit on something that is obviously, a trigger of some sort you move to something physical so then the exercises you know say uh you remember something that you that your mother said to you when you were 12 or something like that that really affected you and it's kind of stuck in your craw ever since and you you're using that uh in your life now when you you know it's not helping you type of thing uh, then you you go to that place you go to that place and you hit things like I, you know in the core energetics um you know studio there's always like big kind of uh, cushioned things and you could use like a tennis racket to hit you know and you could and you, you kind of talk it through and you're like oh, i don't want to why did you say that you know you hit this and i know it sounds crazy but um it really does help uh, you know, because you end up kind of like I had moments where I was like really screaming and I, I was like, what am I doing? You have to let yourself go and like kind of let the inhibitions go because you're kind of, you know, being crazy in front of a stranger. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but actually, in actuality, it's, uh, you know, it, it's really great to get it all out. And, you know, with times where I actually by the end of it, I was like shaking, you know, I was like, oh, my God. And your whole body's kind of like kind of feeling something, you know, um, uh, and then by the end of it, you know, you've had, you've shed a few tears or whatever. And, and you feel like you're exhausted. <laughs> mm, yeah. I bet. But yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting. It really is. Um, you know, uh, I've actually done it uh, with other people as well. Like, uh, you know, my wife, I've had done it with my kids um, together. And, and it's amazing how healing it can be with, with other people. It really is. Cause you go through, your issues that you you've had with them <laughs> you see what i mean uh, and everything stays in the room you know what i mean it's like uh you know when you all the shouting and screaming and stuff you know it's like it, it's safe it's a safe place to do it and um 
yeah it's i would definitely recommend it to anyone i, I don't know if there's any uh, practitioners of that here in the uk but uh, you know might be worth looking if any of your listeners are interested yeah it sounds really interesting it sounds like it's one it's, it just sounds like one of those things where you just literally release all of your kind of negative energy and yeah. get all of your anger out and yeah again you you wouldn't be able to i guess legally do that anywhere like because <laughs> yeah. i suppose if you did it at home your neighbors would be like what is going on but if you do it in a safe space where you've got somebody there yeah. that's kind of like mediating it it must be a great thing to I do mean, ha- I, I mean yeah but having said that now that we've been through it my wife and i sometimes we'd be like do, do you need to just go and scream into a pillow and just you know, do you need to do you need to go and hit something and my wife would be like yes i fucking do so she'll go, so she'll go into the into our bedroom or something shut all the doors and like just I don't know, just cry, you know, just, just let it all out. And, and then, you know, she'll come out and be a new person almost, you know, it's, it's amazing. I'm a big believer in, in that, that we, especially men, I mean, God, I mean, things are getting better with with mental health for for men, you know, because we're, we're talking more, but, Mm. uh, and especially as English as well, we are very much kind of like stiff upper lip. Here we go. Pick yourself up. Um, But I believe that, that all those kind of things that have happened to us that, you know, we can, we can view as trauma, even if they're not like, you know, deaths or really, really horrible things. It's just like, it can be something that your grandmother like said to you, you know, when you were six, it's just any stupid things like that. Mm. I think they are all stored in us. And most of us just kind of, you know, it's like a a jar and you just put the lid on, you go, push it down push it down, push it down. And that's what's going to make you sick, especially as time goes on. Those traumas turn into illnesses. You know, I, I truly believe that. So, so I think it's good to, to get them out. The, the difference between kind of looking at mental illness in the UK compared to the US is, is huge as well, because I think in I've had guests from the US on this podcast and they've sort of said, yeah, I go to therapy and it's just a really sort of like normal routine sort of thing mm-hmm. in, in the US. Whereas here, there's that stigma where if you go and see a therapist, you're a bit crazy, I guess. You must be nut nut. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. Especially like, yeah, you're working man at the pub. I mean, you know, I get it. I get it. We didn't grow up with it. And, uh, you know, it's a generational thing. I think, I think, you know, I guess my kids generation won't really think anything of it, you know, but, but like, you know, if you said to my grandfather, I've, I've had therapy and I was like, what's wrong? What's the matter? Even my parents, you know, uh, you know, they, they could do with some therapy. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But, you know, um, I think, you know, mental health has become thankfully more, more of a a topic on people's, uh, you know, uh, lips you know and I, I, I'm really glad of it um but yeah it, it, it maybe in America it, it's where they are slightly ahead of the curve in that respect maybe yeah and all of this choreogenic stuff that I was talking about just now of course that's all in Los Angeles you know <laughs> and you know maybe <laughs> maybe some of your listeners are like ah bloody LA crazy crazy Hollywood types <laughs> maybe but you know it worked for me <laughs> you mentioned your kids and that you kind of you did that kind of group activity together do you think that them growing up sort of sort of partly in the US has helped them speak about their mental health and kind of be quite open and honest about it with with their parents yeah I do think that um but they 
they have us uh, and we're very open uh, and very willing to go there. Um, in particular, my wife, she's she's amazing. She has a, an incredible kind of annoying ability to, you know, to, to know that there's something deeper in there that you're not what you're arguing about is not what you're arguing about you know it's, that's not what it's about it's about something a little deeper and uh you know she pushes and pushes and pushes which can be really annoying <laughs> but then when you get there and uh, you get a release of some sort from whatever it is you go ah oh, found it there it is there it is all right let's bring that out let's just have a look at that and uh let it go and uh you know they see us doing it. our kids see us doing doing that kind of stuff you know and it's a part of them you know they're teenagers well what, uh, two of them are one of them's uh, 20 now be 21 this year um you know there's part of them that are like oh mum and dad are doing their crazy shit again you know <laughs> they're kind of woo woo <laughs> stuff but but they've grown up with it and and uh you know we've been through some stuff you know we had um we had uh you know almost family member who was a babysitter who who became very much very very close to our family um when the kids were you know in a kind of middle teens who took her own life and uh it was such a shock to our family and such a a tragic like you know raw heartbreaking you know unfathomable thing that happened um and our kid we had to protect our kids but you know how can you protect them from mm. something like that you know, and our eldest really suffered for from it because um, he felt, I mean, you know, there's so many emotions he felt, you know, you, you, like, you know, you, you feel like because she she was very much a part of our family, you know, and, and I guess he felt like she left him, you know, um, uh, and there's the guilt and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, so this is why we went through all of the uh, the therapy stuff. Um, as a family to, to just kind of deal with that. And so I, what I didn't want is for, is for them to be, you know, suffering later on in life. You know, we, people do say, you know, you know, as, as parents, you, you, every day you give, you give another reason for your child to go to therapy in future life. <laughs> I'm like, well, why not just give it to them now? <laughs> you know, let's help them. Let's help them clear that stuff as we go. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's our theory anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it, for us, it's really worked. And we we talk a lot and we tell each other we love each other. And, and you know, we ask questions. Um, it's not easy. Uh, families and teenagers, you know, intrinsically kind of close themselves off and, and don't talk. Um, but, you know, you can never give up on that as a parent, can you? So, uh, you know, we don't. <laughs> and that, it's as simple as that. I, I think it's kind of like admirable that you as parents kind of made that decision to get kind of family therapy after the loss of, of, of your family's babysitter. Because I think that again, if that was your kind of, I'll say average Joe, because that the normal, the normal person, the normal family probably wouldn't go down that route. They would probably sort of mourn the, the death of, of a loved one kind of for a short period. And then just sort of be like, right, we're bottling that up. We're going to move on um yeah. that's that's done now and not actually deal with it properly and I think a lot of people will, will probably be listening to to this thinking I've kind of had a similar experience like a death in the family a death for a friend yeah. that they've kind of not kind of properly mourned whereas I think that mm. if people do go down that route of 
expressing themselves at that time and place, it must help so much more. And I think that we need to start doing that sort of thing more. Yeah, I feel for me, it was like we had to deal with it head on. We were all in shock. We were all grieving and we all missed her. And, you know, we celebrated her as, you know, as part of our lives. And, you know, we were very grateful that she came into our life, you know, and that she gave us so much. Um, I made sure that, you know, that, that all three of them, and they were young, you know, came to, it wasn't a funeral, they called it a, a celebration of life, you know, and I spoke at that, uh, at that event. And, you know, <laughs> there were times when I looked up while I was talking uh, about her, and, you know, I looked up and my, my whole family was just in complete, like, tears just you know and I just I thought yeah my heart was like oh just hurting but then on the other side of it I thought well you know what I'm so happy that that they're able to experience experience is the wrong word that they're able to to feel that and 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 show it and uh, you know and those emotions you know are so easy to just because they're scary and and they're heartbreaking and hard to deal with. So it's so easy to bottle it up and, and just, uh, you know, move on, you know, life goes on, come on. There's still the rest of us here, but it's okay to talk about it. Cause if you don't talk about it, then it only just gets sucked into your, into your soul. And, and uh, that is no good in the long run. I think that just dealing with, with somebody that's taken their own life, in general is just so difficult though and I, I mean I can't imagine kind of what what your kids went through and kind of what what you and your wife went through in, in terms of having to explain that like what how did you go about that like what what was the process because it must be like it must have been hard on you and your wife and then then having to explain it to your kids and be like that this has happened did, did you kind of expose them to that at that young age or did you kind of sort of no we 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 Faced it head on. Uh, that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was tell my kids that. It was really, I mean, I'm, I'm getting emotional thinking about it now, you know. I'd, and I had to do it straight away because I, I, I couldn't let it just sit because, you know, it was, it was killing me. And because I, I knew that it had to come. It's like, you know, Kiki's not coming back. <laughs> she's not, she's not here anymore. Uh, so so yeah we sat them down and and we just told them the truth you know and and god it was it was it was horrendous it was awful it's the only way to 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 do it really you know i didn't want to lie to them um because they're old they were old enough to know about these things um it's not like they were you know six and seven it, you know my my oldest was 15 at the time the youngest would have been uh you know 11 12 um so you know they were old enough to kind of to know know that that is a that possibility and i i just i can't even explain it uh like, you know how i felt and 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 uh and and what it meant uh you know and it's it's it was a long time ago now it's uh was it six years now uh and it's still raw it's still there you know as we still we still talk about her we still have her photos up in the house we still love her um uh you know which is another important thing <laughs> you know uh, we've we've all moved on with our lives of course and we all have you know stuff going on and it's great you know but we talk about her you know and and she she's very much still uh you know almost kind of around 
you rose to fame at a, a relatively young age. You, I think you were 17 when The One and Only came out. How how did that kind of impact your life as kind of a teenager, as a, as a, as a bloke growing up in the UK? And how did that kind of affect you mentally? Did you kind of deal with it head on or did you struggle with that to begin with and then sort of learn to cope with it as you kind of grew up? Well, because I was so young, um, it, there was no, uh, you know, structure in it. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I had no plans about how to deal with that kind of stuff. Um, I was actually 19 when that record came out. Oh, okay. But uh, I was like 17 when I got the part in Buddy's song and all that. But the, the actual fame side of it didn't really come till I was 19. Um, uh, it's still young, you know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what it did was just kind of change, changed everything in my life, you know, because at the time I was like just playing piano in pubs and, you know, wine bars and, you know, little clubs and stuff around my area and weddings and stuff like that. You know, I was the piano man. That's what I did for a living at that point. Um, and so I went from playing, you know, uh, to the local pub on a Sunday night to selling out arenas all over the world. You know, it was, it was literally that quick, you know, it's like one minute I was there, next minute I was there. Um, and so what happens is you, your life uh, kind of becomes something else Like you, I did. It's not your own anymore. You see what I mean? Like I, all my friends were going off to university and uh, doing all the rites of passage of, of uh, people that age. And um and, uh, you know, I, I was going off being a pop star. Um, you know, I wouldn't change any of it. Um, and I'm not complaining about it at all. It was amazing. It was an incredible experience. And it was what I always wanted, if you see what I mean. It's like I, mm-hmm. my, whole, my whole life, I always wanted to be, you know, a musician. And that's what I wanted to do for a living. And, you know, I'm not sure I wanted to be that kind of like crazy, um, you know, that, that heartthrob pop star type of thing. That, was, that wasn't yeah, really on, yeah. for me on the cards. I, just, I wanted to be, uh, you know, I wanted to make a living out of making music. Uh, that's that side of it came as a little bit of a surprise for me um, and was really hard to kind of, you know, get over actually. Um, but yeah, it was, it was mad. And and my, I grew up in a very rock and roll household. So, you know, fame wasn't weird. You know, I, all my, my dad was in a band called the Tremolos. They had lots of top 10 hits in the sixties and he had lots of friends that were all, you know, in, in famous bands and, uh, so uh so that side of it wasn't odd so when i got to that stage where i was going to be releasing something it was like oh so it's my turn to step up to the platform here <laughs> you know what i mean um yeah. and it yeah so it just kind of happened uh and then suddenly i was famous you know and, and that was that was an amazing time i had my brother on uh the drums with me uh, right from the very beginning he was 17 at that point <laughs> um so he got all the fun without the fame <laughs> <laughs> you know uh but that but i think that you know he he definitely kept, kept my feet on the ground um you know because when you got you know uh, all the world kind of saying how great you are or whatever i mean there was you know, love and hate coming from um, both both sides but you know uh if i if my head got too big for my boots uh my brother called me an idiot so you know, that's, <laughs> that helped, I think, you know, and the fact that my dad had been through it, I guess he, he had some good advice. You know, he, he said right from the beginning, don't believe any of it, you know, don't believe the hype, you know, don't believe the good stuff coming at you and don't believe the bad stuff coming at you. Try and keep an even keel. You know, I guess that's how he dealt with it back in the day. 
and and probably drink too <laughs> that wasn't advice by the way i'm just saying i'm just <laughs> commenting on how my dad dealt with it um so so i've kept that with me all the way through my life um you know just none of it's real you know and and i i actually over the years have kind of mentored young artists and, uh, and written and produced young artists and and that's the one kind of piece of advice i think that really is important just like you don't believe any of it it's all bullshit and just remember that and you know get just put your priorities straight you know it's okay to have you know real priorities of of success and and that's kind of where i was when i was 19 it's like if you ask me then my priorities were like hit records you know i want to play wembley or whatever you know and and of course now it's it's more like my priorities are, are keeping you know a happy uh you know my, my my kind of mental health like on on an even keel and and you know an, an everyday sustained happy existence you know so my family is uh, obviously leapfrogged any any other priorities uh and uh you know i think family and friends are, are everything you know it's it's as far as i'm concerned when people say what's the meaning of life it's uh it's to be loved and to love and that's it i totally agree <laughs> completely agree with that <laughs> it's it sounds so it sounds like when so when when you kind of did first become famous your brother sounds like a massive massive help because he was always there to basically go yeah we're doing really well but you're still you still chesney crack yeah. on <laughs> yeah we, you know it's like i, I yeah he'll when you have somebody that's with you from from day dot you know uh and and you, you're in odd situations like don't forget I you know I used to play with teddy bears with you remember that <laughs> you know so so it just kind of takes you back to you know oh yeah okay I'm being a dick all right all right fair enough thank you <laughs> you mentioned about you run and you do kind of like yoga and stuff for your mental health but I've also noticed and you've spoken about before that you're a massive West Ham fan oh yeah yeah Love yeah. football. Un- yeah. Un- unfortunately, a West Ham fan, but <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we all have our crosses to bear. Who's who's your team? Arsenal. Oh, mate. Oh, I feel for you, mm. mate. It's, I know. It's, a, it's hard, isn't it? And it's just tough being a football it's, fan sometimes. <laughs> it's it's hard being a fan of a club that has been slightly successful in the past and then to yeah. not have anything. But you guys have got such an amazing young team. Um they're just not matured. So, you know, I, I have no doubt Arsenal, uh, you might have a couple of seasons where you're not going to win the league, but, but you know what? You've got a good manager and you've got some amazing talent in that team. So I, I don't, I, you know, as, as I hate to say it, because, you know, West Ham fans, <laughs> we're supposed to hate Arsenal, aren't we? And you're supposed to hate us a lot. But, <laughs> but yeah. I, d- I don't mind West Ham. So my, the whole of my wife's family support West Ham. So right. I have to sort of have them as my second team, but <laughs> don't really like that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I've noticed that you, you go to matches with, with your son or your, or your, your children yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I does, take them all does, the times, yeah. Does that help kind of, I don't want to bring mental health into everything, but I, I, <laughs> when, I, when I go and watch a football match, yeah. You have every emotion running through you and you, yeah, you, you can do. be really happy when your team score. You can be really sad when, when you lose or concede. Yeah. What 
what does that kind of do to your yours and your your kind of like kids mental health when you go and watch a football, <laughs> football match um <clears throat> yeah you're absolutely right there's there's definitely the gamut of emotions when you go and watch your team especially when your team's west ham or arsenal <laughs> yes um no i i i love the bonding uh kind of tribal aspect of of a of following a football club you know um i love west ham fans you know i love that kind of the, the uh that connection you have um, of kind of like, you, you know, win or lose, we're together, you know? So, so, you know, all of my kids are West Ham fans. Uh, I mean, to be honest, they wouldn't be able to live in my house if they were, you know, if they'd chosen Arsenal or something. <laughs> so, so I said that from the beginning, I was like, right, if you're going to choose a football team, that's not West Ham, you're going to have to find somewhere else to live. <laughs> <laughs> and and all my all my kids love they love West Ham, but in particular my youngest uh, who's sixteen he is absolutely football nuts. I mean he's obsessed. He knows all the stats. He knows all the transfer rumors and all that kind of stuff. You know, so I have this like real bonding thing with him at, with West Ham, and, and you know, you know we go through the same emotions. You know that kind of. You know, when we'd win, it's like the most amazing feeling. And then when you lose or, you know, you get that frustration of like, oh, my God, we could have won that one. We should have won that one, you know, or, you know, we should be 3-1 up, but we're 1-0 down. Oh, you know, it's, you know, you go through it with the kids. But but I think it's a, a really great thing, actually, football. It's it's good that, we, you know, you go through the both emotions. It's the same thing we were t- talking about before. It's like, you know, you let it out you know it's like when you score it's like yes yeah great this is all amazing and then when you you know when you go behind you just kind of you feel it you know you really feel it and you can talk about that you know it's football is life you know it's um yeah who is it that said uh you know uh f- football it's uh it's not a matter of life and death it's much more important than that i think that was matt busby wasn't it yeah yeah it was yeah <laughs> it was yeah yeah that's uh, brilliant so so yeah i'm glad that uh i have <clears throat> i have football in common uh, with my kids because uh it's that it's another tribe we've got the family we've got west ham you know family as well you know it's just another tribe to kind of connect with <laughs> i remember my first ever game uh, and i was probably I don't know, 12 or something like that. And we had a family friend that was, uh, my dad's actually a QPR fan, but he was not, he's not like a proper football guy. You know, he never took us to games, me and my brother, but we have a family friend, Roger, that took it, that was season ticket West Ham. And he took us to our first game ever, me and Jody, my bro. And we went to Spurs away and we lost five nil. <laughs> and, and we were fully in the West Ham away, uh, you know, uh, stand. And all the West Ham fans were doing the okie cokey up and down the st- <laughs> up and down the stands, and it, it was just like this is the best, you know. Uh, we, we absolutely fell in love with that spirit, that West Ham spirit, you know. It's uh, doing the okie cokey up and down the the, the stands when you're losing five nil, just like ah, it's just great, you know. And uh, so, and uh, once you've picked, once you've chosen a team, that's it. You can't you can't change it. Yeah. It's just. I mean, it's not cricket, is it? You, you, you can change everything else in your life. You know, you can change your car, you can change your wife, you can change your sex. You can't change your football team. It's just not done, mate. It's unfortunate as well. <laughs> in some in some ways, sometimes you want to, yeah, but you just can't. You just can't do it. No.
This is an advert. This is an advert. Since giving up alcohol last year for my mental health, I've been searching high and low for a zero alcohol product that still has the great taste and quality as an alcoholic one. And I think I've finally found the one in Unlimited Beer. In fact, with a choice of lager and an IPA, Unlimited Beer has got me covered from all angles. Whether I'm watching football at home or planning a barbecue with mates in the warm weather, I can have a few cheeky bottles without the alcoholic content, and most importantly, without the hangover. Whether you're teetotal or are considering giving up alcohol for a while, or are just sober curious, why not try Unlimited Beer? At just 23 calories a bottle, you just can't go wrong. And by entering the discount code LUKE10 at the checkout, you'll receive 10% off any order through www.unlimited.beer. That's www.unltd.beer. I keep saying to my son, who uh, I tell you about my 16-year-old son, he really has only got like crazily into football since last um, summer for, you know, during the, um, the Euros. And mm-hmm. uh, or was it two years ago now? Anyway, um, yeah, last so year it was last year. It seemed like weird. It yeah. seemed like freaking ten years ago. Ages ago. Yeah, that, you know that Saka penalty seems like forever ago. It was only last year. When I said that, I was like, that doesn't seem right. Have I done that kind of uh, you know, that pandemic thing where I say it's last year, but it's two years ago, but it actually was last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so my son Indy, he's really only been like football crazy for a year. And of course, this year as a West Ham fan has been pretty great, actually. And, you know, I keep telling him, I'm like, it's not always like this, Indy. You know, when I was a kid, we were like relegated three times. You know, it's like, it's not, you know, you don't don't expect it to carry on like this. <laughs> you know? And he's like, yeah, I know, Dad, I know. I've, I've done my history. I can see what's happened to West Ham. <laughs> like it's that there's that phrase that all West Ham fans will say, like when you, you know, you're going, you're going beat Man Man City, and then you lose to Burnley or something like that, you know. And it's that it's bloody typical West Ham that is, you know. And now he's saying it. I'm like, well, you're not allowed to say that. You haven't experienced that yet. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's funny. <laughs> oh, so I, I, I used to be. I didn't used to be. I'm, I'm also a Gillingham supporter because that's where I, I, I come from. Right. And I remember. <clears throat> I had a season ticket there for five years because Arsenal, Arsenal was expensive to go to. So yeah. when, when I was a kid, I used to just go to Gillingham matches. Yeah. And I remember when West Ham were in the championship when they had just been relegated and Gillingham beat them 2-1. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. this is mad. And I was only a kid. And I was like, this is madness <laughs> that a little team's beaten like a really well-known yeah. football club. So it's like, yeah, I don't think that will ha- ever happen again, but. No, it may. Classic West Ham. And geez, in the FA Cup this season just gone by, Kidderminster nearly beat us. You know, I mean, it's like they were like eight di- divisions down or something. You know, it happens. It happens. And it classically happens to West Ham. <laughs> I'd say it happens, it happens to Arsenal as well. So, yeah. <laughs> like we've, yeah. we've been beaten by Forest twice this season and they've just come up to the yeah. Premier League. So I'm, I'm not looking forward to that next season. No, exactly. Uh, we all have our bogey teams. <laughs> You've spoken about a lot of stuff that you do to help your mental health, but is there one thing in particular that you'd say, this is the one thing that I do most days to kind of put myself in a good mood or make sure that I'm level for that particular day? Yeah. uh, I really think that there's, there is, uh, there's a, 
a very simple thing that I do, and it I, obviously I'm not saying it's going to work for everyone, but um, but I if I feel that I'm in a bit of a funk and I'm you know feeling a bit blue or whatever and, and just not kind of all there, um, you can choose to not think about those things that are making you down. You know that you do have a choice. Um, what works for me is I'll just, you know, think, okay, so why am I feeling like this? And, and look at it a little bit. And, and a lot of the time you'll realize, oh yeah, it's because of that fucking shit thing that happened yesterday or because I had that argument with my, with my dad or, 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 you know, West Ham lost or or something stupid like that. Or what I do is I start to think about things that I'm grateful for. And I'm thinking about my, my, you know, how my daughter, my daughter's laugh or, 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 you know, this crazy little noise that the dog makes when he tries to snuggle into you or, or, or even just simple. And I know this sounds crazy and some people may not agree with this or may not, it may not help them at all, but just literally going for a walk and listening to the birds or, you know, realizing how beautiful this world is. It's like just thinking about things that, you know, makes you happy will change your mood. It really is that simple for me. And I realize that some people probably will find that too simple. Um, but it works for me, Luke. Uh, you know, and, and, I've, and I've definitely been practicing that uh, as much as I can. You know, it's that gratitude thing. It's like, you know, and that's something I do sometimes as well before I kind of, you know, open my eyes and just when I'm awake and just kind of just go through a list of things that I'm really grateful for in my life and, uh, and think about that. That helps your mood. <laughs> that helps to, to kickstart your day because, you know, you realize actually it's all right. Things are all right. Cause I've got a beautiful wife. Uh, my, my dog loves me <laughs> and, uh, and the birds are singing. So cool. Let's do this. You know, that that's, that's my practice. You, you say that it might not be the right thing for everybody. And I think that like, it's right that you, not everybody has the same go-to thing to help them. Mm. But I do think that that is something that can help everybody because. Yeah. I, I mean, the reason I just, said that, the reason I gave that a caveat is because I realized that some people have a harder time getting out of that depression. And, and of course, some of it is a clinical de- depression that, you know, it, it's all very well saying, just think happy thoughts. It's going to be fine. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I don't want to kind of be, that guy um you know because i realized that that some people uh are going to be in a place that you know you that you can't easily just think think your way out of it and i realized that and that that's where i get i gave it that caveat i think it's like it is it's it's finding the right thing for you but i do think that it's being in that moment and that sole moment to think these are the things i'm happy for and these are the things that I'm living for. I think it's it's all about kind of not think it's it's hard to describe, but it's not thinking about not thinking too far ahead of this bad thing's gonna happen or this bad bad thing could happen. It's just being present and thinking about those things in the present. Your thoughts are powerful. They're very, very powerful. And what you say to yourself, uh, and what you say out loud as well, they they will affect your mood, you know. Um if you think about things that you're worried about and think about things that are not going well in your life and talk about things and moan about things that are not going well in your life, that's what's going to come to you. 
you know, that's the mood that's going to come to you. My wife, again, is another another person in my life that, you know, she's always telling me, why did you say that? Why are you why are you putting your your thoughts into into that direction? And, and, you know, we all do it. It's, I think it's just a human thing, you know, it's like, Oh God, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope uh, I don't get stuck in traffic on the way to, uh, you know, but if you don't, if you think, if you think that ride ride is going to be amazing. And even if there is a bit of traffic, I've got, I can put prints on and, and listen to baby. I'm a star. Ah, it's going to be great. It doesn't matter if I'm a little bit late. Ah, fuck it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good day. You know, today, t- that is a phrase that is really really powerful today is going to be a good day if you say that to yourself just that in the morning it will be a good day (laughs) you know you're still going to get shit happening stuff like that but you know things are going to bounce off of you easier because you know today is a good day every day is a good day because we're here and this beautiful world is here and you know people love you and uh you know it's okay you know, it's going to be okay. That's the thing. So, so for me, you know, to concentrate uh, and not to, to, to try and not be negative, it's hard because we're all, um, we come from people that probably are negative, you know, and, and there's, you know, I know that that's the case, you know, I, I, I see it all the time. Um, now that I practice that and try and kind of stay in a even keel and try and stay in, in a kind of more positive mind frame, you see it in other people all the time. And it's like, you know, I want to say to them sometimes, but you can't, you know, and just say like, just, you've got things in your life that are good. Think about that. Think about those things. Think about your dog barking at a squirrel. I don't know. Think, just think happy thoughts. <laughs> it really, you know, we, we all have a habit of, of just wallowing and sinking into these things. I'm not saying don't face them. Cause you know, we talked about that in, in, in a, I talk about therapy you know it's okay to go there but come out of it <laughs> you know get, get yourself out of it and start your day uh in a positive light and it can't be it can't be a bad thing can it it's kind of training yourself to do that I think isn't it because I think that once you've got that sort of skill you're set but I think it's kind of like training yeah. yourself to think like that to, yeah. to have those putting that in one box and coming back to that box again either next day next week no agreed it's not easy it really isn't and I'm not saying that it's easy to do that uh, you know um, and and I have trained at this actually yeah and I've really really tried hard but I'm not saying I'm perfect I mean I I get up in the morning with you know in a bad mood or in a grump and or or missing people I you know my life is most of the time away from my family. I don't want to be away from my family. So that kind of sits in my head sometimes. And sometimes I wake up and go, oh, fuck me. I really miss my wife. Or I really wish I could just go and cuddle my son. Or I want to see my dog. Yeah. Where? You know, <laughs> it's, we all do it. We all do it. But then I try and get myself out of thinking about that. And I'll call them. I'll call them on WhatsApp or whatever and just see their face. And we're like, you know, I love you. And, you know, I'm so glad you're in my life, you know whatever and that makes you feel better so then it's kind of you know it's you're right it is a training that uh it is hard to get out of especially if you come from families that that are warriors uh or negative thinkers uh or you know negative talkers (laughs) because you can get you, you can get sucked into it you know and sometimes i feel like uh it's really hard to to 
if you're around people that are not particularly positive, that's really, really hard to, to, to get into being a positive person. Yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. That's totally hard. Agree. And you know, one of, one of the things in, in my journey and, you know, in this going through kind of facing things is I've had to cut a few people out of my life, you know, because it can be toxic. Um, and that's not easy either, you know, um, but I think it's necessary to step away from, from things that bring you down. And sometimes that can be people, you know, so look at your life, look at who, who is in your life that does that to you, you know, and then maybe step away for a bit and see how that works. It worked for me. It's, it's putting up boundaries, isn't it? And it's, making your life better to then move forward and, and continue living your life to the yeah to, to its best I guess yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's it's true and sometimes you do have to step away from people to be able to do that uh, and it doesn't mean to say you're never going to see them again and that's it you cut them out your life it's just I think for for the time being when you realize that that's happening um, then why put yourself in that position if you know that it makes you feel bad so you know step away for a little bit and work on your own mental health work on your on your own feelings and how and how you're actually coping with life and uh and then maybe you can come back to it you can come back to you can come back to to that uh environment with a different mindset if you see what i mean yeah yeah definitely what is your happiest place in the world Place as in like in, in, on the planet. It can be whatever you want to make of it. <laughs> wow. Goodness me. That's a, that's an interesting one. I mean, for me, I always say that my happiest place is, is when I'm with my family, wherever that is, you know, it's like, you know, we were in Vegas the other day. I hate Vegas actually, but we were together. <laughs> we were together and that was in a very, very happy place. Um, you know, uh, I, I sometimes do uh, performances on on the ships, and uh, I took my family to um, to the Caribbean. You know that was amazing because uh, because the, the company you know were happy to to give us a cabin for the kids and stuff like that. So so being in like Saint Lucia or Saint Lucia somewhere like that, sitting on a beach with my family, that you know that would be my happy place. Yeah, a beach in the Caribbean sounds good to me. <laughs> I'll take that right now I tell you yeah. <laughs> looking out the window today <laughs> cats or dogs both that's the one word answer. we ha- I have both but I think I'd probably lean towards the dogs you know dogs have family cats have staff <laughs> but I do love my cat I do love my cat so yeah I'm going with both Summer or winter? Summer. That's an easy one. Beach yeah. or city break? <laughs> I'm going with beach then, aren't I? <laughs> Vinyl or cassette? Vinyl. Or this this one might be a bit hard. LA or the UK? Wow. Is my wife going to be hearing this? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm going to, if I had to, if i had to choose it would be the uk yeah for, for a few reasons 
there's a community spirit in the UK that is not that doesn't exist in America. Um, you know, there's that kind of pub culture um, and footy banter that you just don't get. Um, you just don't get it over there. And the rolling green hills uh, of England uh, is the thing that I miss when I spend too much time in Los Angeles. So yeah, I love LA. It's 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 uh, it's it's almost unreal if you know what I mean. It's uh, it doesn't yeah. feel like a home because it's you're always on on holiday or something, you know. But you know, I love this little island. I love it. Football or music? Oh God, you're like going to tear my heart apart with this. Um, I'd have to edge towards music, unfortunately. I, as much as I love my footy, if I had to choose between the two, well, for a start, I can't play football, so I can't make money out of football. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if music didn't exist, what the hell would I do? <laughs> so, yeah, music, music. And then the last one is, again, I don't know if this is hard or not, because I'm not a West Ham fan, but Declan Rice or Mark Noble? Wow. God, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Oh, I'm leaning towards Ricey boy, but only, the, the trouble is, I don't think we're going to keep him. You know, I think he might be here for one more year. So, oh, so Mr. West Ham or Mr. West Ham of the moment is what you're, is what you're, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, with Declan for now. Can I change my mind next season? Come back to Nobes. <laughs> if, if he leaves, if he misses West Ham. Yeah. If, if he leaves, then, you know, I've made a horrible error. <laughs> he's a good player, though, isn't he? Great oh, player. he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. That was a terrible uh, performance for England the other night, wasn't it? But, uh, yeah. But, you know, Rice had a good game, and so did Bowen. Yeah. So, Do you know what? I always. So when Bowen went to West Ham, because it. I, where did he come? I think he came from Hull, from didn't he? Yeah, Hull. That's right, Hull. Yeah, yeah. And um, so well, I'm in a football group on on WhatsApp, and one of my friends is a West Ham supporter. And when yeah. when Bowen went to West Ham, I was like, he's going to do well. He's going to do well. And then for, the, for his first season, he he wasn't very good. But since yeah. then, he's been undroppable. Oh, he's had an unbelievable season, and then you know, top 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 with the uh, you know an England call up. And I know that was a crappy performance from us the other night, but. He, he had a few chances. He didn't take them. I know at that level you're supposed to take them, uh, you know, and perhaps, you know, I know there was people saying that perhaps, um, you know, Ronaldo or, you know, Harry Kane may have taken one or two of those. But, you know, football's football. It's like if it doesn't fall for you exact, it's just the way it is. He, he, I think he did pretty well, actually. You know, he, he, he fitted, he fit in that team pretty well. Um, especially with Rice being there too, because he obviously knows his game. So, you know, I hope that your listeners like football. <laughs> they oh, might be turning I'm sure off. They do. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why are they talking about football on a mental yeah. health podcast? <laughs> exactly. Hey, they go well together, as you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, and. Thank you so much. Well, it's been my pleasure to look. Thank, thank you for having me and keep doing what you're doing. This is great. Keep, you know, keep talking, you know, because that's what we need to be doing right now. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate that uh, running a podcast like this and talking about people's mental health uh, is uh, is an important thing right now. So keep it up, mate. Keep it up. Well, do. thanks, Chesney. And yeah, have a great day. Cheers, Luke. Take care now. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye now. 
that was the stress sessions with the one and only Chesney Hawks. And I had to say again, because it's an absolute classic, but thank you so, so much to Chesney for coming on the stress sessions. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please share with your friends, family, or anyone who you think it might help. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can even subscribe and download the rest of them. On a side note, I'm not a mental health professional and neither are any of my guests that come onto my show. These podcasts are purely based on my own personal experiences and those of my guests, alongside some simple hints and tips along the way. So if you are suffering from a mental illness, I've included a link in the podcast recordings notes to some of the amazing charities that will be able to help you by offering professional advice. And that's it for this week. So I'll speak to you again next week when I've got another fantastic guest on the podcast. Speak to you then. (laughs) 